This is the EWN Podcast Network. If you're someone that feels like you have a lot to say, but either you're afraid to say it, or you just feel like you're not being heard, then meet Carrie MacArthur. Hi, I'm Carrie. If you have ever felt like you're invisible or that you want to be invisible, like you've lost touch with who you are, I just want you to know that I understand. I was there and I have spent the last six years of my life reconnecting to myself, my power, and my purpose. And now it is my passion to help you to dare to find your voice. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. Hi, welcome Kim Addis. I am so excited to have you as my interview guest today for this Dare to Find Your Voice podcast because for many reasons, however, you have been a big part of me finding my voice. Um, so I first met you on a podcast. I was listening to another podcast, um, Amplified Living, I believe is what it was called, Amplified Network Marketing. And um, you were being interviewed by a mutual friend, David T.S. Wood, and everything you said like spoke to me on a deep level. And so when he challenged us to go onto your website and to take your assessment, normally I would listen to that and go, yeah, that sounds good, but not do it. But this one I like was compelled. I immediately shut off the podcast and filled out the, the assessment. And then when I got a phone call from you, I knew for sure I needed to work with you. There was just this connection that was so powerful. And you really were an integral part of me being able to not only not only allow myself to have courage to step more into um, myself, but also to help me be okay with that and to know that like it's better to be myself than to try and be somebody else in a way that was like, because I knew that on a, you know, a conscious level, but deep in the subconscious, the belief system, you helped me to get in there and really rock those beliefs that are holding me back. So I love you. I love that we connect so well. And, um, Anyway, I'm just really happy to have you here to join us. And um, from here, I'd love you just to tell a little bit about you, how you got started doing what you do, what do you do, and um, what do you feel like is different about your approach and whatever else you want to say. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm so excited and so thrilled to be talking to you. Uh, it's such an honor to be on this side of the mic with you in particular, I cannot believe how much you've grown since we first started talking. Could you imagine yourself just being so uh, online with videos? I watch your videos and I'm like, I can't even do videos. Uh, so I, I am amazed, 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 amazed at how far you've come and how much you've grown and how every single limiting belief you've had, you've just blasted it open and decided not to live with that anymore. So my hat's off to you in every way. So who am I? I am, uh, I own a, a coaching company called Frame of Mind Coaching. I've been doing it for over 12 years. And philosophically speaking, um, you know, there are lots and lots of coaching companies out there and most of them are geared towards helping people reach their goals by creating a, an action plan. And usually, if you're working with a coach, your coach holds you accountable to all the bits and pieces in the plan. And uh, when I started my coaching company, for whatever reason, that didn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Not for me as a coach and not for the client either. I thought to myself, you know, I think people know what to do by and large. They're just not doing it. Something 
terrifies them, something stops them, something stands in their way, and people lived, live in a state of, well, I'll call it paralyzation. So how do I help people move past all those things that really get in their way? How do I help them, you know, address the thinking that interferes with their ability to live the life of their dreams and achieve their goals and just have fun, really. People don't know how to have fun very much. And so, so I decided to create Frame of Mind Coaching. And the idea with Frame of Mind Coaching is to really look at how people think and look at the relationship between their thinking and their outcomes. And when I say outcomes, I don't only mean financial results or weight loss goals or, or any specific goal but how they live their life. Are they enjoying their relationships? Do they live in a state of anxiety and stress all the time? Are they wound up? Are they frustrated, annoyed, anxious? Do they have a short temper? Like what are your life results? And uh, the way that I decided to do that was to build a very intimate and close relationship with my clients. One of the ways that we have that kind of relationship is that I ask my clients to journal every single day for the duration of the first 10 weeks of their coaching experience. So at the beginning of the week, they get a journaling question or a prompt and they journal. And every time they journal, their journal goes to their coach. I have a team of coaches who reads and responds to their journal. And that's happening every single day. And so it becomes a very close relationship. And we get to know our clients in ways that aren't normal or maybe go deeper, faster. And, and what happens is that people experience a shift or change pretty quickly because of the speed that we work with and because of the intimacy of the relationship. But ultimately, what we're doing is we're looking at how our clients think and showing them the impact of their thinking on the results that they're getting in their lives and helping them make changes that are more aligned with their actual goals and desires. So I'll, I'll breathe for a moment. <laughs> I love that. So my next question, and we'll get to that after we take a short little commercial pause, um, is going to be about that journaling process. Because for me, I was always so amazed. Like, I love to journal. I love to have the opportunity to really um, pontificate, <laughs> to just really like almost verbally vomit. But um, speaking isn't always received. But journaling, I can do that. And my paper and my pen will listen, right? And but for you to actually come back and to prove that you had read and that you had listened. And then the questions you would come up with were always so interesting to me and sometimes frustrating to tell you the truth. And they were the, the key changers. They were the integral pieces of, you know, I thought I was already in this, you know, certain area of my life doing well. And you would pull out one little question that would like knock that down help me dig down deep again and rethink it all and actually get to a truer, more authentic place inside of myself. So um, I just want to talk to you more about that, the journaling process and why you think that's important and how you do it. I don't even know if you can share that in a podcast, like how you do it. So I do it. Pause and we'll come right back. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. 
So how, how do I do the journaling and why is it important? For me as the coach, it's really important to know my clients. I can't possibly coach them if I don't know how they operate. And for me, the journaling component allows me to see how people operate every day in a, a myriad of different circumstances. So I want to know how do they operate at work? How do they operate with their spouse? How do they operate with their children? How do they operate with their friends, with their enemies? How do they operate? And more interestingly also is I want to know how they think, how they, uh, how they process what's happening in front of them. And so when someone journals, I'm gathering data. I'm, I don't know how you say it in the States. Is it data? But anyway, I'm gathering information, right? <laughs> and that information allows me to pick up patterns, patterns of thought, patterns of behavior, patterns of belief. And it allows me to see where people get tripped up or trapped over and over and over again. So what am I doing when I'm asking questions? You know what? When, when you... It's, it's, it's very interesting. If I said to you, go outside and look for um, all the bicycles you can find, all of a sudden you'd find bicycles, right? Like they're, they'd be everywhere. Before that, you weren't paying attention to bicycles. So when I read a journal, I'm looking for something in particular. I'm looking for an indicator of a person's thought or belief or behavior that really isn't consistent with their desires. I'm looking for a clash. Mm. And they're all over the place. Yeah, they, that's what you pointed out to me. And I, like, I wouldn't see it when I'd be journaling. And why, though, um, can you not tap into that or have that come out just in a conversation? Because you did, we, we did weekly calls. So yes, what's the you difference can. between the journaling and the, and the speaking? It, it's not that there's a difference, but the journaling gives me additional information. So if we speak once a week, I'm getting an hour of you speaking, and I've got to be smart enough to listen the whole time and attentive and 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 half of the, well, not half, but a good chunk of the conversation is back and forth. When you journal, it's a one way, right? So it's a different kind of data and it's a different kind of way of communication. And it's, if you're journaling every single day, it's consistent. So that, that process just really, really informs me. Coupled with the calls, now I'm really smart, right? And so the, the key is it's not only that I'm looking for a clash, I'm looking for struggle. I'm looking for in a journal when someone's indicating a struggle, no matter what it is. That tells me, that struggle tells me that there's a thought process that is interfering with a person's peacefulness, happiness, joy, simplicity, effortlessness, etc. So that's what I'm looking for. So it's not hard to see where someone's struggling. It's hard, not hard to see where there's a clash. It's a very easy to pick up. All of a sudden, they're like bicycles everywhere, right? And so you have to decide as a coach, which bicycle do I want to ride today? Which one is important? Which one has a really flat tire that needs attention? And so you have to pick what's the priority. And, and perhaps that's maybe a little bit more of a challenge for newer or less experienced coaches. That's amazing. And um, yeah, so powerful. And also, so your response led me to two different questions. I'm going to ask both. First, I'm going to start with, um, because I've read, I think I read it on your website or on a, your newsletter, or we may have talked about it. I don't remember which one. Um, you mentioned how powerful journaling is, not just for the coach, but for the individual. And in my own modality that I've created because of my experience that I've been through and my education and my coaching 
um, I've noticed that there's five steps that I just repeat over and over. The first one is tapping into who I am, to my values, my core values, my core beliefs, and also the core temperament of that I believe doesn't change, like just that personality wiring. Um, before it was touched by environment, you know, what I came with, um, tapping into that. The next thing is openness, being open to new ideas and new experiences, and then setting an intention to act on those new experiences. And actually, this is where the courage part comes in, the action. Next is clearing, and next is expression, which is expression is actually being who you've discovered yourself to be, which again is an element of courage. And um, somewhere in, in either our conversation or your newsletter, you talked about journaling and the power of that in being able to become in tune with who I am as a, as a literal me instead of everybody else's, you know, my interpretation of what everybody else's interpretation is of me, right? Really tapping into that. So what can you share about the power of journaling for the individual? Not, and, and the well, coach. for me, you know, journaling is um, an expression of how you see yourself. It's an expression of how you see your world and how you see yourself operating in your world. So you said something earlier, right? What you said is, well, our, our basic disposition doesn't entirely change. And I, I have to say, I've seen your disposition entirely change, entirely and so yeah. I don't know if that's true because your disposition is a function of what you believe to be possible for yourself. It's a function of how you see yourself in the world in relation to others. So have you, has your vision of yourself changed over the years? I would say so. Yeah, it totally has. And it's, and it's, that's exactly what I was tapping into. So my disposition, the way I was showing up was completely opposite to who I've discovered I really am. So my core motivators and my core desires, my core talents, gifts, all of that, I was shutting those down because I didn't think that the world accepted them. That's not who they wanted me to be. You've helped me to tap into who I am and not letting the rest of it influence that. And so I well, am I also, who I'm meant to be, yeah. I think. Well, I also think that you actually uh, do the world a disservice when you try to be who you think they want you to be as opposed yes. to who you really are. And so why? Because you're living in a state of internal combustion, internal friction. And that state, that energy doesn't serve the world. But when you're living as who you are, your contribution is in infinitely increased. So it's very important for you to find a state of alignment because then you're, what you're putting into the world is you know, it's just like a much, much, much more significant gift. So yes, that's your job. That's your task. That's your duty. And, but what's interesting, right? Again, like I, I think about some of the conversations we had and I, I'm not going to give away too many secrets, but I remember the one, I think this is okay for me to share this one because I think I saw a video open. on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one where you said, I don't like to wear my hair in a ponytail. Remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've seen you in ponytails many times yes. since then. Right. And, and so like biggest courage changing acts, honestly. Right. It's crazy, but it's right. True. It's crazy, but it's true. So as a coach, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting, an interesting thing to hold on to. Right. Like, it's just interesting. And as a coach, you know, you're allowed to bring it to the table. I don't have to take it on. Right. So my reaction, my response, my, my, um, my, as a coach, the way I process what you bring to the table matters. Right. And if I turn it into a thing, an issue, it becomes a thing or an issue. And for me, it was okay. So, you know, I think that was exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, 
and and so what I'm saying is that people, each person, you, me, we all, we all have funny things that interfere with our ability to just be ourselves and enjoy ourselves. And I don't mean have a good time, like go to a party and have a good time, but enjoy who we are and feel good about who we are. Because most of the time, a lot of people live in a state where they don't feel good about who they are, even when they've achieved massive things in their lives. Like I work with people who are very, very high achievers. And so many of them feel massive self-doubt, massive sense of, uh, you know, guilt, uh, self-recrimination, frustration, all kinds of things because of who they are in the world. So imagine living in a state of peace, like I'm okay with who I am. Wow. What a change. What a change. Yes. And honestly, that I believe is probably the greatest gift you have given me is allowing myself to be at peace with who I am and then processing what's going on around me through that instead of through the anxiety of trying to be something that I, I may still do the same actions, which is really, that's also very fascinating to me. The actions are the same, but the reason why I'm doing them is completely changed and um, that makes all the difference. So, well, you 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 just came out. It's like you know the, the <laughs> you, know, you were playing really small compared to who you really are, and you're not that person anymore because you came to a place of you know acceptance, but also came to a place of man, I see who I really am, and I really like that person. So let her come out. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it was through the through the journaling process. Um, and then, you know, your little nips and nudges were help the journaling process to go deeper. I, I don't know. I, it's it's um, fascinating to me. And I also, I get it on such a deep level and just everybody's philosophy on it fascinates and kind of expands my understanding. But I just know when I work with people, that journaling thing is almost a, they'll say, okay, I'll do it, but they never do it. They won't do it. So what, what's your philosophy on that? What stops somebody from journaling as opposed to leaning into it? And going? Well, I, you know what, before I start coaching anybody, I give them kind of the, um, the expectations. If you want to move, do you really want to move? Do you really want to make a massive difference in your life? Do you want to experience transformation? If that's what you really, really want, and you're being honest with me here, then we're going to make a, a faster transition if you journal. Like we're just going to be able to work a whole lot better together. So I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to hold a stick over anyone's head. I, you know, my job is not to hold somebody accountable to make sure they journal, but my job is certainly to help them know how to help, how to get to where they want to go. And this is such a critical and important part of the conversation. So when I ask people to journal, I say, imagine it's a conversation. We're just having a conversation back and forth. Imagine it's a journal who talks back, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> and says, hey, what are you talking about, buddy? <laughs> right? So, yeah. so do I have sometimes clients, very often I work with clients for a lot longer. In the first 10 weeks, they journal every day. On week 11, uh, they slow down. And it's okay. It's all okay. Like the, the whole thing is to, as a coach, not be attached to what they're doing and what they're not doing. And at the same time, consistently deliver the message that journaling helps the process move at lightning speed compared to without it. And it's true. Like coaching with a journal compared to coaching without a journal, it's a night and day experience. That's I believe that. And it doesn't matter necessarily the length of the uh, length of the journal entry, right? It's more just the doing it or what, what's your? 
Well, a person can write one sentence, um, something like, I had a rotten day and I'm depressed. Okay, that's, that's a really meaty journal. Yeah, okay? that's true. That's true. Right, a really meaty journal. And so it's not so much about length. It's really about if a person can express the emotion that's happening and why it's happening, boom, we have something really substantial to work with. And that's it. It's not about length. It's really about being willing to allow someone else in to what's going on inside of you. It's really about being open. Yeah. Vulnerable, transparent. Yeah. Transparency. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about, I don't have time, right? One sentence can be enough. So that's amazing. Um, and have you had clients who just won't journal that still move and that still have, you know, progress? I do. Um, I, I think, I still think they can have faster, more, you know, kind of powerful yeah. progress, but they do. Why? Because I can see what they're doing. I can hear what they're doing. I can still pick up patterns. They're not as frequent or as, as often, but yes, people make progress because at this point, I mean, for me, I've been doing this for a lot of years and so I'm experienced. I can, you know, I can yeah. sift through what someone brings to me very quickly, but you know, if somebody wants a super off the charts personal transformation than journal journal. It's and, and the other part of it is, uh, and you might uh, benefit from this actually personally, Carrie is go back to your first journal, read what you wrote at the beginning of your first 10 weeks, right? Yeah. And see how you sounded. And so what journaling does for a person is also help them get in touch with what's going on inside, but also help them see their progress over time. Yeah, that's true. The celebration of those little steps that you might not notice in the process or you forget. I have gone back and read some of some of the entries and they kind of make me giggle a little bit. <laughs> some of them. And it's also just like, wow, you know, wow. Yeah, I'm so glad that, it, that that's in the past, you know. Yeah, I have, I have an interesting, I have a client who took three years of journaling with me and he charted it out. He put his journals into themes. Wow. Um, and ended up, uh, he's starting to write a book out of those themes and using his, the content from his journals to say, here are the themes that I extracted. They fall into one of these three major categories and he's out there doing presentations based on the journals. Wow. It, it's wild. That's amazing. That's quite a process. Wow. Awesome. I'm like, I'm fascinated. I want to know more already. So <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> um, the other part of what you had said um, a while back where you were just talking about, you know, if you go out with the intention of finding bicycles, you're going to see a lot of bicycles, which I know you've written a book, you know, what you focus on, you find. Is that the title? What you focus on grows. What you focus on grows. There you go. Um, what can you tell us about that? Your book, your philosophy? Well, the, yeah. F you see, for me, I think that I have a, a bit of a different vantage point than a lot of people in the world. So I might see a situation that the whole world might look at uh, with a certain kind of lens, and I see it with a different kind of lens. And so the book is a series of short stories really about things I've experienced, observed, heard, stories, and it shares with the reader a very different lens. And the whole point of the book is to help people start to look at common things with a different point of view, a point of view that fuels them as opposed to drains them. 
And so when you start to practice the activity, the art or the, the skill of looking at something differently, that muscle builds. And really it's the muscle of decide what you want to have expanding in your experience. Be really clear, deliberate and intentional about it and focus on that. Because if you live a passive life, you know, one where you're a little bit unconscious, you'll find that the things that are expanding in your experience are necessarily the things you want. So it's really about building the muscle of being conscious about what you want to have more of in your life. That's amazing. And that going back to my wearing my hair up story, what I know now, <laughs> which it took me doing it to really tap into the, the story that was behind it. You know, my focus was on and I have to sidebar, I love my parents, I love my upbringing, and we're all imperfect, right? So my dad, really big into sports, and he didn't necessarily love girls' sports, but he announced he announced games for both boys and girls, and um, he would just have a different attitude. And all of the, the girls who played sports, in his mind, it was and I'm speaking for him. So this is my interpretation, right? So everything is always our interpretation of what we think other people think. So I'm giving my interpretation. It could be completely false. However, my interpretation as a child was that the only girls that played sports were the ones who weren't pretty enough to be a girl and to do girl things and were either, you know, bigger or whatever. And all of the girls that played sports because they're playing sports wore their hair up. And so my interpretation is if I wanted my dad to think I was pretty or whatever, I couldn't wear my hair up because then I would be one of those. (laughs) Right. So, and it was just really funny the day that, because I had started to think of things differently, I had made myself wear my hair up and be okay with it. Started with just at home and letting my husband see my hair up, letting my kids see my hair up. Then I went to school and actually sat in class and I would be so disorganized. I couldn't concentrate, which isn't my normal (laughs) self. And I saw myself in a window one day and I just started to laugh because I saw one of those girls in my interpretation of that, not the real girl. The real girls were amazing. I I was friends with all of them. And at the same time, anyway, and I just started to laugh like that, that is why I can't wear my hair up. But I just started to focus on different things instead of focusing on that story. And so I believe, I believe that statement so strongly. And that's just one little simple example in my own life. So. Right. Like we don't know how ideas or philosophies or perspectives get into our brain. We often don't know how they even got there. Who implanted that idea? Like, you know, you're talking about your dad, my dad. I remember, you know, he didn't like it if I drank beer from a bottle. Like that wasn't respectful, you know? (laughs) I mean, to me, beer tastes better out of a bottle, right? You got to pour it. But so, so he had an idea of what's, you know, distinguished or appropriate. I don't know. Um, and so every time, every time I see or taste beer, I think of him because, because of his discomfort with the idea of drinking out of the bottle. Did it change my behavior? No, but it made me really conscious of the decision I'm making that is not necessarily in agreement with what he would have liked. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just something I normally do, right? Like it, it, all of a sudden it became, okay, I am 
breaking the code right now. I'm drinking yeah. beer out of a bottle. Yeah. Feel a little rebellious or whatever else. Huh? Exactly. All of the interpretation. It's interesting. The human brain fascinates the heck out of me. So, um, yeah, and you just have helped me to tap in and see it even in bigger ways than I thought I already did. So it's been amazing. Um, before I ask my final question, is there anything else that you want to to bring up or to say or to share with all of the listeners? Honestly, um, you know, if you're journaling by yourself, if you're journaling with a coach, journaling is really, really a powerful activity. Oftentimes people will ask me, well, what's a good journaling strategy? And I offer two ideas. Can I offer to your audience two yeah. really cool journaling strategies? Awesome. So journaling strategy number one is this idea that I have called dump, dump, and then dump the dump. So what does that mean? When you have something that's bothering you, so write about it. And when you think you're done, no, 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 keep writing. <laughs> um, and then at a certain point when everything is out of your system, you know, what you want to do is write the following line. It's time to turn myself around. Like I'm done with the dumping. And then start to write about what you would rather have, what you want, how you're going to get out of this mess. Uh, create a plan, whatever it is. But the, your final statement is a statement that allows you to turn yourself towards where you'd rather be. So that's dump, dump, and then dump the dump. The second uh, assignment, let, I'll give your, your listeners an assignment. How does that awesome. sound? I love that. It's a, it's a journaling assignment. So guys, grab a piece of paper and a pen. And it's three questions. Question number one, what do you really, really want? Why are there two reallys? Because it's not what somebody else wants for you or what you think you're supposed to want. But what do you, what does your heart really, really want? So that's question number one. Question number two is, why do you want it? So, you know, how would your life be impacted if you had what you really, really want? And question number three is, so why don't you have it yet? Like, what's stopping you? What's getting in your way? Um, and, and I encourage you to write down a long list of why you don't have it. And what I would suggest to you is that long list is the seed. It's the beginning. It's the starting point of understanding the beliefs that are standing in your way. Now, you know, you have a great coach in front of you, Carrie. Um, I encourage you to work with Carrie and send these questions to her. And if you're even co more courageous, send them to me. And, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll connect you with one of my coaches. And I can be reached at frame of, oh, sorry, Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. All right. And I will post that in the show notes so that everybody can remember and see that. Um, and I, I love that. And that third question of why don't you have it yet? That's how I have learned to tap into my next fear that I'm going to step through because I do something every day that scares me and it's just been something that I've decided to do. But that's how I come to it is why don't I have it yet? And then I come up with all my excuses. Well, the yeah, buts, or I can't because, or I'd like to, but, or, and all of those buts, all of those excuses are like, hmm, I must be afraid of something here. And that's how I choose the one that gets me the the biggest that gives me the greatest anxiety attack or whatever is the one that I choose to do. It didn't used to be that way. I used to, I started with the smallest ones first, but now I'm like, let's just go for it and let's do that big thing. So yeah, I love, I love those questions. I ask them in different words, but in this, you know, the same order on a regular basis, I probably got it from, from you, from working with you. That, that was It's entirely I possible. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I have one more question because when I, yeah. First, before I realized that I needed to do some more personal growth, and then I wrote this um, voice modality because of the repetitive steps that I took over and over that have moved me to where I am, um, my very original idea was I want to interview people because I love people, and I love 
to see the goodness in people because there's so much negativity. There's so many things we can focus on, like, you know, storms and earthquakes and crime and whatever else that's going on. It's everywhere and it's highly reported over and over. So I believe, I still believe that the majority of things that go on in our world and the majority of people are good. We just are quiet about those good things, or at least we're not as loud as the the news <laughs> sometimes. So I like right. to ask people, you know, what good news do you have to share that's going on in your life? You know, even just the little things, because to me, I think the little things are t- sometimes the most transformational, the, the hugest things when we really can notice what they are. So what's some good news that you can share from your life or just from working with people or that you notice that you can share with us? That's a great question. I love that question. Uh, for me, you know, my I work with a lot of people. I'm uh, pretty uh, exposed to a lot of people doing a lot of great things. So one of the best things that happens for me every single day is I see my clients transform. So can I share specifics? Not so much, but that's really good news. And it happens every day. On a different level, I have five kids. And you know, you have a lot of kids too. But every time my kids are doing what they want to do, are in their zone, are happily kind of ensconced in their corner of their world, doing what they want to do. Like to me, that's great news. So like my daughter is starting a kale chips, kale chips business. That's good news. That is. Yeah, my, my son is working in a in a restaurant in Montreal and climbing up the ladder and learning all the ropes of a, of a new startup. So that's good news. And all my kids, all the other ones, are all doing something interesting and exciting and, and consistent with their personalities and their characters. And so for me, like the best news is when my kids are happy. And, you know, I, I, try, I try to take full responsibility for my own happiness. But for whatever reason, I'm very attached to the happiness of my children. It's the one attachment that, you know, still grips me by the neck. But when they're happy, that's good news. So that's my good news for the day. Oh, I love that. You know, the the young people of the world, I believe, are huge good news. I mean, and they, I don't know if it's different or if it's just because I'm older and I, you know, see it from a different perspective, but it feels like the kids today are unwilling to be told who they are and they want to go and find out who they are and really tap into the, to what makes them tick, which lights me up like no other. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm the same way when my kids are, I can live vicariously through my kids. I don't try to, and I, you know, I want to be myself because that helps them. However, when they're happy, I feel like I'm floating. So I agree with that. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting, you know, our kids are all doing such different things and it's not that we live vicariously through them, but we, we are exposed to things that we would not be exposed to without them. Definitely. Right. Like crazy. Like I have one of my kids is in a screamo band and he's like this expert screamer. Like (laughs) that wouldn't be something I would normally, you know, be attracted to, but we're exposed to that. You know, so every kid is doing something new, different, interesting. And, and we get a glimpse into that. We get a great kind of passenger seat into their lives. And so Mm -hmm. our lives become richer, more entertaining, more colorful, just because of all the wild and crazy things they're doing. Wow. 
Yes, you could write a book about that, I think. <laughs> That's amazing. I probably I could. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I love that. I love that answer so much. Well, thank you so much again for blessing my life and now blessing all the lives of those who are listening. Um, Kim is so powerful. And yes, find Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. Yep, that's it. Yes. And yep. um, isn't the website is just frameofmindcoaching.com, right? There's a little assessment you can take if you want to work directly with Kim and her team. Or, that's you know. right. Fill out the assessment. Um, even if you don't want to work with us, fill out the assessment and it'll give you a good snapshot of where you're standing right now, your starting point, and you get a complimentary coaching call to go with it. So uh, that call has been known to be powerful all by itself. So fill right. it out, nothing to lose. It's kind of interesting, kind of fun. And um, what you'll yeah. find is some insight about whether or not you're even pointed in the right direction. Yeah. That, yep, that was the beginning. I love that. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with me today and have a fantastic rest of your day. The whole Thank weekend. You, Yum. The whole weekend. Right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See you. Thanks, Carrie. You're awesome. Bye. You are too. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. This is the EWN Podcast Network.